everyone. Welcome again. Choices, finding your joy. Paula Vale here, and I'm going to have a lot of fun today. We are going to just have such inspiration coming to us today from our amazing guest. We have with us today, Connie Baker. Connie has a, just such a story to share with everyone. I am going to let her share that story. And she is also the author of the book, Traumatized by Religious Abuse. Discover the cultures and systems of religious abuse and reclaim your personal power. Connie, I am just so honored to have you on our show today. Welcome. Oh, Paula, you know I'm excited to be here. Oh, gosh. You, you are just so amazing and such an inspiration for us. I would love to have you share a bit of that story, which I promised the audience, you know, what, what you went through in your younger years. Please share that with us. You bet. Oh, Paula, I did not feel like an inspiration back then. You know, I put myself back at that in, in, in a, as a young adult, and I, uh, I feel like it almost killed me. So my story is that when I was about 19 years old, I started attending a church in, uh, here in Portland. I'm here from in Portland, Oregon. And I fell in love with that place. I had a deep faith and I was very young and zealous as often we are, you know, in our, those late adolescent, early adult years. And I was, I was going places. I was so excited to be a part of this church that I really, really adored. I gave so much time and energy to it. And so I started that um, in that church about 19 years old. And I immediately met one of the pastors uh, who was, became a dear friend and a mentor to me over the next several years. And we, uh, he, he advocated for me to, in my career path in the ministry and all those sorts of things. Um, and about six years in, he started making sexual advances. In retrospect, I realized I'd been being groomed and um, he sexually abused me for nine months. And he told me I couldn't tell anyone because he'd commit suicide if I told. And so here I was a, in a really, truly a little too innocent, a 25 year old. I didn't know what to do. I, I was in the habit of rescuing people. And so I, I, I took all this responsibility on myself. That part of my story is bad, um, and it did lasting damage. The, 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 the other part of my story is, let me turn this off here, I'm sorry about that. The other part of my story is, is much worse. I give that about 75% of the damage. And what happened after that is when the leadership found out, the church leadership found out what had happened, they blamed me, and they held me responsible. And... I was so confused. I can't even give words to it. Um, I felt responsible as, as sexual abuse victims often do. They feel like, oh, what did I do to cause this? What happened? And so, and then, so they blamed me and then they, uh, they had me stand up in front of two services, church services and confess my sin. And so publicly I was wearing the scarlet letter, um, when the leadership told me I was a threat to every married woman, which in retrospect just makes me laugh. I was so 
naive anyways um but it was what is horribly damaging and then they asked me to leave the church and to move back to where i had grown up in southern oregon and and i did because at that point i didn't know what else to do i was being a good good girl and i had been a good girl quote all my life and i just did what was asked of me and told what i was supposed to do and it was devastating paula it's hard to describe the <clears throat> depression uh suicidal depression i debated whether i wanted to live um I debated about my faith. I debated so many things and I was experiencing panic attacks. I didn't even know what they were. I'm a therapist now, so I look back and go, oh, I know exactly what was going on. I had horrible PTSD and trauma, but I didn't, I, I just figured it was because I'd done something horrible. And so I took years, oh my goodness, years of repair and recovery, figuring out what had happened to me because Finally, about three years later, I read a book and I was like, oh my goodness, this was sexual abuse. This pastor was like 18 years older than me, married with several children, very powerful personality. I called him my dad in Portland, who's very much a father figure. <clears throat> so there was so much power difference in the relationship. And that was just, it started clicking. That was sexual assault that, I, that happened to me. And I'm like, oh my goodness, well, what does this mean? Mm -hmm. But back then, nobody was talking about religious abuse. Nobody was talking about the spiritual abuse idea. So I just said, I, I don't even, I didn't even know how to describe what had gone on for years. And it was about a decade before I felt like I'm ready to thrive and I can really take, take on life again because I didn't have any way to process what had happened to me. Yeah. Yes. So what, once you said, I'm ready to thrive and move on, what, what were the steps you took then? Oh my goodness. Um, well, I did, uh, oh, there were, se there were several important things. I didn't talk about it for a long time, except to two people. Uh, one dear woman, older woman that I knew in Southern Oregon, I told her I was so filled with shame. So I told her she was a beautiful presence in my life of love and acceptance and i think she was old enough she got what had gone on it was like that that's not right and so my husband who i was not married at the time but i met him um may not recommend this but i started dating him like within six months when i got home so but he was a really beautiful presence in my life that called it abuse he said you went through abuse and i was still like eh, i don't know so those those couple people were really strategic that i told and received some really beautiful support from. Um, and then I finally, when I realized that this might be sexual abuse, I went into counseling and I went through individual work and I was in a group and that was super helpful for me to heal up and get better. Um, except this whole idea of what the church had done was a real massive question mark and, and just filled with so much confusion that I, we understand in our culture, we now understand sexual abuse. We understand, oh, it has a process. It has a horrible outcome. We, societally, we get that. We, we don't yet understand what happens to people who've gone through religious trauma and uh, as a society. So I didn't have any categories for it. Mm -hmm. So I kept slugging along. I did a lot of journaling. I started telling more people, my friends. I started talking about it more. I, uh, seven years later, I actually came back to, I was strong enough, I felt like, and I was, to come back to that uh, group of men uh, who had 
uh, told me to leave the church. And I came back and said, here's what didn't go well. And I was very gracious, but I was very direct. I look back at myself and that little 30 year old girl, I'm like, oh my gosh, good going girl. You were pretty courageous. Um, but I went back and talked to those, this big panel of men about it and they held their ground and I almost knew they would, but I was, I had done my piece. I said, I'm coming back because I, that was one of my first times, Paula, to come back and say, I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing this for whoever might come behind me. Oh. And so I came back and I said to them, I don't want this to happen to anyone else. So this is why I'm here. Oh. Um, and I think that was a huge turning point. Yes. yes. Yeah. To be able to do that. Yes. And, and honestly, a lot of it then is I just kept talking about it and I kept, there wasn't a lot of literature out on it at all back then. And there's very little still out on it, which is why I chose to write the book. Uh, but then I, we moved back to Portland. Our, our, the story is we moved back to Portland um, 11 years after it happened. This happened back in 1990. So we moved back in 2001 here to the Portland area. And my hubby and I decided to get our master's degrees. And so I decided I wanted to go into counseling and I'm a licensed professional counselor. So I got my degree and in the middle of the, my program, I always had a hunch. Um, I'm going to use this somehow. I'm going, I want this to be profitable. I don't want to go through this in a vacuum. Mm -hmm. I want to speak out so that other people do not feel as desperately alone as I felt during that time. So I got in and during the middle of my program, I remember the very day I did a presentation on this topic and my professor said, you're going to use this. And I said, I think I'm going to. And it was just a beautiful thing. I was in 2004. So we're now 15 years later. And in the process, so I started developing small group curriculum. I built my private practice. And just about when things were ready to take off, I got a cancer diagnosis in 2010 that really laid me, laid me out for about three years. And I kept my private practice together. Super grateful for that. Um, very grateful. But I could do nothing else, honestly. I couldn't, I couldn't continue to push forward um, in this very new area. So when I started healing up in 2014, I did my first seminar, uh, live seminar here in Portland area on that. And I was shocked out of my mind. 42 people came for a two-day seminar. I was like, oh my goodness. Just, oh, made my heart so happy, so sad that they had to be there, but so happy they were getting help. Yeah. Yes. You know, Paula, part, I guess I could summarize this is my book, my videos, my online courses, all those things are things that I needed back in 1990 desperately and didn't have. And I just feel like it's my life's calling to say, I'm going to make sure people have them. If they get the word out as much as possible, because I don't want people to feel as alone, confused as they, as I did. It was torture. Oh, you are so awesome. <laughs> Share with us some of what, what you want to see people take away from reading your book. Ah, yes, yes. Uh, number one, religious or spiritual abuse. I use those words interchangeably just because so, it, it tend to go by both of those. Religious abuse is a real thing. That's part of what I want people to take away. Um, especially people who are, who are very committed to their faith often get really uncomfortable to that with that. And I'm, I am fine with people committed to my faith, uh, you know, committed to their faith and mine, Freudian slip. I am still a person of faith after all this. I've shifted and gone many directions and morphed a lot. But 
um, I want people to have a solid faith, but they can be, be defensive of the institutions that propagate some of this abuse. Mm -hmm. And then people end up feeling like it wasn't a real thing. It was all their fault that they got their feeling, feelings hurt, you know, and they got hurt and they shouldn't, they should get over it and forgive. So first of all, I want people to know it's a real thing. It has a dynamic, just like any other type of abuse does, domestic violence, sexual abuse, any of those, it has a dynamic. And that's what else I try to do in my book at the very beginning is define what are we talking about here? When we say religious abuse, what does that mean? Does that mean that the, the choir director hurt my feelings because they did, I didn't get picked for a solo? You know, I mean, <laughs> you know it's, 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 much, it's much greater than that. And, it, and it's much more pervasive and it's subtle. And so I really am trying to give structure to that in my book. Um, and then the more important parts, well, I want to talk too in the book about what the fallout is because people don't know why, why they're feeling the way they're feeling. Mm -hmm. So that's the third section of my book. The fourth section of my book is how do you get better? And that's of course my end game is to, is to have people functioning, uh, healing and not just healing, but thriving, uh, after they go through this. So it, it could be a transformative, um, and productive experience. I, it should not happen to anyone. I, I don't wish this on anyone, but as suffering in life does, it tends to transform us and yes. make us quite different if we, if we can cooperate with it a little bit, <laughs> which is hard. And helping them to, you know, transform and get through that. Because I would and think, in, yes, in the religious setting, when something is going on and, you know, there's this potential abuse there may be a fear. Well, I really can't say anything because who it is that is pushing this on me. Exactly. Well, and if anybody watched what happened to me, had there been in, in the church I was in, if anybody else would watch what happened to me, they would have said, I sure as heck am not going to say anything because look what happened to Connie. And so it's a very perpetuated thing that can be so, just so devastating to the people who survive it. Yes. Yes. And you not only have your book, so tell us a bit about your courses. What you yes, I just, how people yes. can look at that. Um, a couple of years ago, I designed an online course and it's called Religious Abuse Recovery Essentials. And it is, and all this is on my website, ConnieABaker.com. So put the A in there, ConnieABaker.com. Um, but um, this, this was, oh man, the people filming this made me look good. It was like, it's like a Good Morning America format um, where, where a, another a speaker, one of my dear friends, she interviewed me. So it's a very conversational video teaching about what this thing is. So we've got the online course that's really lots of fun to watch. People who watch it were just like, oh, this is awesome. Um, and then I do all things like webinars. Um, on a lot of different topics surrounding recovery. Some of them are specifically about religious abuse, but I just did one uh, the other day uh, talking about uh, getting over the all or nothing mindset. And let me tell you, that's just about for everybody because most of us have all or nothing thinking involved. Yeah. So I do stuff for both. I do specifically for religious survivors and also things that would pertain to them, but would pertain to anybody. So I do that boundaries. I've got some coming up on boundaries and 
Uh, Give us a, a little a teaser about the all or nothing mindset. All or nothing? Oh, my oh, it's so fun. What would be a good teaser here? Um, we talk about why. Why do we end up? Because I think a lot of people are aware they tend to shove stuff into all or nothing thinking. And I had, I had a client this morning who said something to the effect, I am scared of everything right now. And I let her talk for a while. We came back and I said, so you're scared of everything. She said, yeah. And I said, and so I started naming a few things she wasn't scared of. I said, what else? And it really shifted her thinking to take it out of that because we do, I do. I, I start thinking like that. I think a very absolute categories with the years I've learned to gray it down and not have it as black and white and learn to catch my thinking but there's something oh a lot of the people who took took the webinar were like this is so freeing to, to just shift a few things in our mindset that just open us up rather than close us down so and, and yeah. isn't that true Connie so many times I talk about that a lot in my new why am I so happy book mm. so many times just having a shift or looking at something in a new perspective yes. just changes everything everything it's a, it's it's shocking and I watch it with my clients I watch it with me having a rough day I sit down and I say, what went right about today? And you say, okay, there were some things that went absolutely right. Why am I relegating those over here to unimportant and focusing solely on the two or three things that might've been really yeah. genuinely difficult? Sure, we can validate that. So that was really hard, but it's not the, I kept saying in the, in the, uh, in the webinar, it's not the whole story. And reality is our best friend. Integrating, yes, let's let's realize there's hard parts of life, but you know what? Let's also embrace all those other beautiful, good things that we can tend to dismiss pretty quickly. Yes. yes. Oh so, my yeah. gosh, that is yeah. just that's so true, Connie. Yeah. It's so true. Yes, I can't wait to read your book, Paul. It sounds like so much oh, fun. Yeah. Thank you. Thank yeah. You. Oh, we just you know, there's just so many great messages to share out there and, oh. and, and sharing the caring mm -hmm. for others. And, yes. you know, we're, you know, life is, life gives us struggles. It does. Yes. It is. And, and that's, yeah. that's what propels me. It is, it, it is, I get to see the downside a lot. I'm a therapist, but mm -hmm. as a general rule, I'm a really happy person and a pr pretty optimistic person. Um, I got to speak last weekend in Denver at a conference with five, it's the biggest group I've ever got to speak with that are all survivors, 500 religious abuse survivors. Oh and gosh. I just sat there and I just looked at him and I could just feel the emotion thinking you, I know what you've been through. And yes. they could tell I knew what they'd been through when they felt so isolated. And I had, I had, I had gals coming up. Um, I didn't set this right. It's going to have to go off here and there. Um, I had gals, I had one gal come up to me and literally just kind of collapse on me sobbing oh, after I spoke oh, because she was so raw and so, mm -hmm. so tortured by what, what had gone on. And, you know, I, I stood in the line for an hour and a half after that and just gave hugs and talked and heard pieces of stories. And I'm like, this is why I work a lot of Saturdays. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is why I'm working so hard right now to get the book out that came out, uh, you know, this summer, all those things. Because I look at those people and I say, I needed somebody 
yes. like me, not because it's me, but somebody who's gone through it and could say, yes. look, I'm on the other side. There's hope. I'm thriving. You know? What that, what that must mean, Connie, to, to see and realize what you sharing your experiences oh. and your challenges and the you know success for lack of a better word but just fulfillment in your life and the yeah. happiness that you've you've come to sharing that for others i just can't imagine that how that must fill your heart it does it really does <sighs> and as you know there's often a lot of hard work that goes on before and behind the scenes mm -hmm. to be able to see that. I mean, I'm sure, yeah. I don't know all your story, Paul, but I'm sure to get to where you are watching this, this very fruitful thing that you're doing, you kind of had to slug it out for a while. And yeah. I feel like that's kind of where I've been, you know, and I'm starting to go, oh my goodness, people are really being impacted yeah. by, by, not just by me. I have a Facebook group of, I think this morning I checked, it's in the 430s, I think, 430 people, survivors who are coming, they just keep coming, and uh -huh. they, they interact with each other, which is, that's my favorite, is watching them encourage each other, say, I'm going to have a hard day, I'm going to see this person from blah, 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 and everybody's like, we're with you, keep going, and to uh -huh. me, I got that, I just got a little goosebumps, goosebumps talking about, that's what makes me happy, it's not yeah. just what I have to say, it's bringing the community together to uh -huh. say, we can support each other. Yes. Yes. And, you know, for someone who's, you know, starting their day and they may have a hard day ahead of them, knowing they have that support can make just a huge difference. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. That is so awesome. Yeah. It's, oh, it's a beautiful God. thing to watch. It's beautiful because what I know now as a therapist is what we know intuitively that suffering alone is much harder than suffering with people supporting you. And we know that now with brain science that that other people's presence stabilizes our emotions and we need that and that's why we all come together when there are really hard traumatic things so i'm trying to put this group together so people can come together and the people who are having a good day go we're with you you're gonna be okay you know and then maybe in a week later they're like oh my goodness not doing well you know and and, and people can come and be supportive and that's the way it should be yeah and it's, I did it. I feel better. You can feel better too. I mean, there's nothing like support. Totally. Totally. And hope. And the nice thing is I'm now 29 years past that, that uh, initial religious abuse, what happened to me. And so I, you know, it's almost like my cancer scar. I have a big uh, neck dissection scar for my cancer. It doesn't bug me anymore at all, really. It's just there, you know, and that's kind of, it's nice to, and people feel that for me. I'll still get teary sometimes talking about my story, just thinking about that 25 year old girl, but they can tell this is just a scar. It's not impairing me anymore. And there's hope, there's hope in that. Yes. For, and get way quicker than I did. It took me almost 10 years wow. to really catch my footing. And there's no reason for that. Had I had just a few important resources, it would have taken much less time. Yeah. And, so. and look at you now, you are a resource. Yeah. I want to be. Oh what I've got God. to offer. I'm not the only one, but what I have to offer, yeah, yes. I want to be. Yes, Connie, you are amazing. <laughs> with our last few minutes of the show, what last messages do you want to leave with everyone, Connie? Mm -hmm. It's a great question. <sighs> you know, to those survivors that might be out there, um, abuse survivors, so maybe religious abuse specifically, 
I want to say, I see you. I see you. I know you're there. I know you're out there. I don't know your whole story, but I know the basics of a story and that I see you. And probably number two is there's hope. There's hope. You're going to get better. <laughs> get the resources you need. You're going to get better. And I think maybe a third thing too is for people for people who maybe haven't gone through this, but know of somebody who's gone through religious abuse. And by religious abuse, let me make something clear right at the end. I should have said earlier, this is not just sexual abuse. People have gone through horrible religious abuse and lost their churches and have been really personally, financially destroyed, psychologically hurt without the sexual element. So this is a very broad, huge topic. If you know somebody who has been hurt by religious institutions, um, probably the third thing I'd say is to you guys, be a good friend. Don't push them, just support them, hear them. They're going to be mad. They're going to be sad. They're going to grieve. They're going to rage against the world. They're going to feel broken, but you can be there to support them and, and just show them love. And, um, it's a real thing back to that topic. It's a real deal. Yes. And that love and support means everything. Oh, it? it does. Cause a oh. lot of people go through this. And they're told you need to get over it. You've been hurting too long. You need to forgive and move on. If you forgive, it'll all be better, which we know is completely not true about trauma. Trauma is trauma, you know, but they get told a lot of really, you know, it, it's basically their fault that they're still suffering. And I want to say, no, it's not. This is a real deal. And if you're able to be a good friend and come by them and say, this was horrible. I can't solve it, but I'm just here with you. Oh, that's, that's huge. Yes, that is huge. That's powerful. Oh, Connie, I just enjoyed you so much. Oh, thank, thank you, you, Paula. Yes, you oh. need to get to Portland and I'll, or I'll get up there or something. Yes, we are going to hook up. I'm yes, I love it. So grateful to have met you and connected and, and shared you with my audience. Oh my gosh, everyone, aren't we blessed? Gosh. Great. Oh. Well, everyone, uh, you can check out Connie at her website again, ConnieABaker.com. That's correct? correct. Yes. And all the resources are there if you look around. So thank you, Connie. I'm oh, so you're grateful. so welcome. Happy to be here. Love, hugs, and blessings. And to everyone out there, love, hugs, and blessings. Yes. I will see you again next week. Thank okay. you for joining us. Bye. Bye. Live a happy life. Turn your average life into a happy life with Paula Vale's book, Why Am I So Happy? Tired of waking up to the same routine, but just a different day? Would you like to live a happy life effortlessly? We want to introduce you to Paula Vale, the author of Why Am I So Happy? Paula is a TV slash radio host, Reiki master slash teacher, and published author. She understands life's challenges and will guide you in releasing negative thoughts to find emotional and physical joy and balance. Paula shares tips on how to invest in yourself to become the joy-filled person you were meant to be. Paula's book, why Am I So Happy is informative, inspiring, and overflowing with gratitude. Her words benefit both men and women and provide a guide to living a happy, healthy, fun, and prosperous life. Why live the happy life? Because you deserve it. It's that simple. Don't procrastinate because you could be living your happy life now. Purchase Paula's book, Why Am I So Happy, on Amazon.com today.